Well, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, we come before you. We're so thankful that we get to call you Father. What a grace, what a gift you've poured out onto your children, that you have given us a good Father. And so we ask for your grace today, that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that you will enlighten our minds, open our hearts, that you will come and reside in our hearts, in our lives, utterly transforming us, our families, our society, for your greater glory. And so we all pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Quite an honor to share in this experience. And as I, some of you heard, some of you didn't, I too am a convert. I went through RCIA, became Catholic in 1999. So uh, I've been in your shoes, and this is a very profound day that you've come to. And uh, to God be the glory for that. And I think you're going to have a quite an experience tonight at the Easter Vigil, and prayerfully for the rest of your lives, entering into the family of God. But as the deacon read to us in the gospel, Jesus teaches us to pray. You know, in Luke's gospel, it says that his disciples came to him. Jesus was already praying. And they longed to enter into this relationship with the Father in a mystical way. And so they asked Jesus, teach us to pray like like John taught his disciples to pray. And so that's when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. Do we come to Jesus? Do we ask him Teach us, Lord. Teach us to pray. And his words are so profound. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father. What a statement to say, our. They couldn't say our Father in the Old Testament like we can in the New. He was always their Father. And in several places in the Old Testament, he is described as a Father. Loving his family. Calling his family out of slavery in Egypt. His firstborn But in a much more profound way, Jesus makes the Father real, intimate, personal, there. Because He is the Son, the only begotten. And we are now adopted. Alex read from the book of Galatians. St. Paul says in the book of Romans, who also wrote the book of Galatians, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship when we cry, Abba, Father. It is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided We suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In that lies at the heart of the mission of the family of God, the work of salvation for all mankind. For the people of the new Israel, the church, is God's firstborn. But that indicates that the rest of humanity is God's other children. And he deeply desires for all men to be saved. So when we enter into the Our Father, we pray our Give us. It's always plural. It's never singular. 
We're praying for our family, but our family is bigger than what we can see in our communities. We must pray for the entire world to bring about the eschatological kingdom, the eschaton, the the final revelation, the unveiling of God's perfect kingdom for all mankind. So this is a very deep and very profound prayer. It includes seven petitions. The first three petitions are directed towards God. Thy will, thy kingdom, right? The last four are us. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. But you're going to see that all the petitions flow one from the other and are perfectly united together. It's quite profound, actually, to see. But just, I think, one of the most important things in my own reflection and meditation on the Our Father is just in the fact that we can call Him Father. We live in a a society where the role of fatherhood has been drastically diminished. If you just watch television, fathers are often portrayed as either being absent, not there at all, or being dim-witted or or just doofuses in many levels. Yet the father is the the hinge pin for society in that when he fathers like the true father, Matthew 23, 9, call no man father, for you have but one father who is in heaven. So, so far as I reflect God's fatherhood to my wife and my children, I can be called father. But the moment that I stop doing that, I have no business being called Father. So what a glorious gift that He's given us in the Our Father that we can stop and meditate on what it means to call God Our Father. Abba, Daddy, Papa. It's very intimate. It's very personal. He's drawing you in. And because He sent His Son to reflect the will of of the Father into the world, I come not to do my will but Thy will, right? I did the will of him who sent me. Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. What is the work of the family? What is the will that God sent his son to do? It's to die on the cross for the sake of salvation for all mankind. And we are his children now, adopted into this family, grafted onto the vine. So we, as all good fathers do, are incorporated into the work of that family. And so when you enter into this prayer, realize that you're entering into the mission and the work of the family, which is the salvation. And we get to participate because Jesus Christ is that great that he incorporates us in some small way. Our Father, who art in heaven. Is God somehow not here? I mean, is God like not there? He's more there than he is over there. I mean, is heaven like up in the clouds and... Or is it maybe beyond our atmosphere? Is, can we say it's beyond our solar system? The Catechism of the Catholic Church says in paragraph 2794, quote, This biblical expression does not mean a place, space, but a way of being. It does not mean that God is distant, but majestic. Our Father is not elsewhere. He transcends everything. We can conceive of his holiness. It is precisely because he is thrice holy that he is so close to the humble and contrite heart. Heaven is where God's will is done perfectly. So, of course, we pray, hallowed be thy name. And we say, God, make your name holy. Now, of course, You could pray or not pray, and God's name is holy anyway. 
So what do we mean when we pray it? And in some sense, we mean to say, God, take my stony heart and loosen it up. Because I want your name to be holy, first of all, in my heart. I want to realize your holiness, your majesty, in my heart first. And then, God, make your name holy in my house, amongst my wife and my children. And then, God, make your name holy in my neighborhood and in my city and in my state and in my country and in this world. Let your justice come. We see in the book of Revelation, the scene in Revelation 6, where the holy souls, the martyrs, are under the altar, begging God for his justice to be made manifest on the earth. This is an eschatological petition, asking for the full revelation of God's kingdom, of his heaven, to be made manifest in perfection, his justice, his name to be holy through all the nations. But it starts with just us. God, make your name holy in me. God, help me to realize your holiness. God, help me to realize your justice, your love, your mercy, all of who you are in perfection. So, hallowed be thy name. Now, it's interesting. If I had more time, I would share with you a very interesting portion of salvation history. The name of God. The Hebrew word for name is Shem. And in the Old Testament, going back to Genesis chapter 3, there we have two lines that are created from Adam, Cain and Abel. And you all know the story, Cain murders Abel. Well, Cain becomes the evil line. And in the seventh generation from Adam, down the evil line, you come to a man named Lamech. Lamech is the first person to take on two wives, to murder, again, like Cain did, to be boastful, prideful, arrogant. And his children go on to be masters of their own destiny, so to speak, to paraphrase. They seek their own Shem. They seek their own name. The good line, starting with Abel, who was murdered, then replaced with Seth, that line seeks the Shem of God, the name of God. Down the seventh generation of that line from Adam, you come to a man named Enoch, who is so righteous that God takes him. Because the good line gets corrupted by the bad line in Genesis 6. And they take wives as they choose, meaning they take more than one wife, and evilness starts to corrupt the good line, and they become men of renown. They seek their own shem, their own name. They're no longer seeking the name of God. And therefore, God brings about the flood, and he saves humanity through one man and his sons, Noah, with one wife and his three sons through their one wives each. Through Shem, the oldest son of Noah, you get the good line again, seeking the name of God. Ham, his brother, becomes evil. And through his line, you come to the Tower of Babel. Again, seeking their own name. So what's important here? Seek God's name. Make God's name hallowed in your life. So as we go through this, we, re- we can see how all the petitions are relating to one another. Thy kingdom come. Again, We want God's justice to be manifested in our hearts first, and then our societies. We pray for the coming of the full uh, unveiling of God's kingdom. Because where is heaven? Heaven is where God is holy and perfectly worshipped, and his will is always perfectly done. And we desire for that will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we pray for our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And on one hand, we're praying for, yes, our actual physical needs. But far more important than that, we pray for the epiousias, or the super essential, the daily bread. This is the Eucharist. This is God's life poured out, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Because who wouldn't want God's actual divine life in you? I mean, who doesn't want that? And God knows this. He knows that it's impossible to be holy as he is holy, to be perfect as he is perfect, Matthew 5.48. So how does he give you the grace to do it? He gives you the sacraments, which gives you his life in your body and in your soul and in your mind and in your life. And therefore, you have the ability to live out the Beatitudes. Lead us not into temptation. Oh, first, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Our soul longs to be in communion with God, deeply desires it, so it begs for forgiveness. But notice that there is a, a, a caveat. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you love me, he says, you will keep my commands. Matthew chapter 6, he says, If you do not forgive the sins of your brothers, neither will he forgive your sins. Matthew 5, what does it mean to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? Love your enemies. What credit is it to you if you forgive those who love you? If you love those who love you, that's awesome. High five. If you love those who hate you, if you love those who sin against you, who trespass on you, now you're entering into the divine. What it means to love is to pour yourself out, even for those who cannot stand you and hate, and hate you and want to murder you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's love. And that's what it means. And so if you're not capable, if you're not prepared to let go of your grudges against your neighbor, your brothers, your sisters... How can you expect to stand at the feet of your father and he's going to forgive you? No, let it all go. Be free from it. Let it all go. Lead us not into temptation. Does God tempt us? No. God is not the author of evil. God is not the author of temptation. But God allows us to be tested just as Jesus went into the wilderness to be tested three times. And three times he rejected the devil's temptations. We could look at Adam and Eve, we could look at Moses, we could look at David, we could look at Solomon, and we'll see how when they were tempted, they fall short. But when Jesus is tempted, he rises to the challenge. The test is what purifies us. The test polishes our rough edges. But we must keep our eye on Christ the whole time, or else we fall prey to those temptations. And how can you survive these? Through grace. How do you get grace? The sacraments. You go to confession and you receive Holy Eucharist as often as possible. That's how you live in a state of grace. That's how you, be, how you seek the, the, the holiness of God's name and you pray for his coming kingdom. Deliver us from the evil one. Well, it says deliver us from evil. The Hebrew actually, or the Greek actually sort of insinuates that it's the evil one. So it's the Catechism in the Catholic Church actually says, this is not just some vague evilness, this is the evil one, the diabolical one. This is Satan. Our Father loves you so much that He's not going to allow you to be consumed by the devil, but yet He may allow you to be tested. 
So the temptations and the deliverance from evil go hand in hand, but ultimately realize that God has made his name great among the nations. What is that name? It is the name of the only begotten. It is Jesus Christ, who every knee will bow to. And he it is who has saved you from the evil one. In his passion, death, and resurrection, pouring out his life for his body, that is the church, giving you divine grace to the sacraments, that you may walk in his ways and keep his statutes, live in a state of grace, make his kingdom known to all mankind. His name is hallowed in your life and in your society. And then the perfection of the kingdom of God is present. Our goal is to be like prophets, taking the image and likeness of God into the wilderness and cultivating the wilderness into a garden sanctuary where God's name is hallowed and present. So you come into the family of God, you are given this gift of praying the Our Father because you're now coming into the family. But realize, as family members, you have chores. You participate in the life of the family because it is a grace to participate in this family. So take this image and likeness that you were born into, that you were created into, awesomely made, and take it into the world. Live your faith. Share it with the world. Cultivate the wilderness for God's kingdom, for His glory, for the salvation of all mankind, which God so desperately desires. Amen? Amen. Thank you.